0: Well, as we said at the beginning of this uh, time together, we've said that we are um, in that confirmation process and a final congregational vote before we we may be able to hire a lead pastor. And uh, so, as the transitional pastor, I'm beginning to realize that my time with you is coming to a close, and so that gets me thinking about well, what have I not yet said here, and what what uh, things? You no, know, it's okay. I'm, I I don't have anything shocking to say or anything. But I've been asking God, what is it that we've talked about in the past that needs to be reminded? What is it that we've uh, not yet spoken of, and there's plenty in what God has to say to us, and so that's, that's where I take my rest, is that I get the privilege of coming up here and the responsibility of coming up here and speaking, but it is God that's at work amongst us, and he will continue to communicate his message to us uh, through this time today and through other times in the future. But one of the things that we have constantly tried to remind ourselves about uh, in this process is that we need to be a healthy church, and all the things that we've done to become a healthy church. So, for um, since a, a, about uh, September twelfth, no, something like September nineteenth of twenty twenty-two, I've been here, and and uh, we've had opportunity to do a lot of thinking about this church. We've worked through some of the procedures and protocols. We've talked about congregational care. We have worked on budgets. We have looked at the structures of our church. We've looked at the vision of our church. We've looked at the healing that was necessary for our church. And we've done all of those procedures and processes. And hopefully, we've bathed it in prayer and kept God involved in the process. But let me give you a little example from my own life, from a previous life where I used to work in a genetics lab many years ago now. And in that genetics lab, we were very particular with our procedures and our practices because we were doing medical testing to test for genetic disorders and we were making sure that we got things right. And there were systems in place that had to be done right. And we had procedures and, and scientific ways of doing things to get it right. And we, uh, I recall at one point in the lab, we uh, were working on a Uh, system where we were actually analyzing the DNA of uh, over 200 people and the results of our testing would be communicated to these people and we were able to determine in this particular family whether people were at likely risk for colon cancer or at a low risk for colon cancer. And we knew that the results of this testing would go out and and uh, would be telling people that information. Well, as you work at a DNA bench and you're just moving DNA around and doing all that stuff, it would be easy to forget that there were real life families at the other end of that result and we always worked hard to remember that those results were were people's lives. Well, the same is kind of true in the church. We can have all the procedures set up. We can have all the right structures in place, but we have to remember that the body of Christ is a living, organic entity, and that We, as the families of God, are affected by the church, and beyond our church are other families that are affected by the church. And so we need to be aware that we're not just creating structures, not just doing all the right procedures. We are paying attention to what God would have us do and listening to his Holy Spirit. I want to take us to a passage of scripture that I think really speaks to this whole idea of making sure that the Holy Spirit enlivens what we are doing. It's a passage of scripture I'm sure you've looked at before if you've spent any any significant time in the church. I know it's it's a passage of scripture that I have referred to before. It's a passage of scripture that comes from the book of Ezekiel. And it's in Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 14. I'm just thinking about Ezekiel Columbus, who if he was in the room, his ears would probably be perking up right now, right? But uh, Ezekiel's back in the children's program, I presume. But Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14 is where we're going to be looking at here today. And there are many reasons to study this passage of Scripture, and I find that every time I come to it, it's new and fresh to me once again. But I want you to pay attention today to things like the Holy Spirit at work in this passage, the the breath of God at work in this passage, the the Spirit of God at work in this passage. Let's read it together, and then uh, we'll see how it might apply in our context here Today. Ezekiel 37 begins The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of God, word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed over their bodies. But they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, we have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. O oh, my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, O my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. And we say amen. The Lord speaks to us today through his word. The the vision Ezekiel has here is a spiritual vision. He tells us that he was taken by the Spirit in some fashion to this valley of dry bones. He says it's a spiritual experience, a, a vision, if you will. We don't know if it was a waking vision, a dreaming vision at night. We don't know exactly how God communicated with him or if he took Ezekiel physically to some valley far away. What we do know is that it says this valley was uh, part of the Babylonian Empire. That this was during a time when the people of Israel had been exiled from their own country, from their own culture, their own nation. The people of Israel had been conquered by the Babylonian Empire. They'd been taken away from the lands of Of Jerusalem and Judah and Israel, and they were taken away and scattered like the bones. They were scattered throughout the Babylonian Empire, some as far away as Iraq is from Israel now. So these people were taken away from their homeland, their culture was being destroyed by the Babylonians and they were living in exile trying to be a faithful remnant in some of these cities and this seems to be happening in a valley close to a settlement of exiles from Jerusalem in the Babylonian Empire. And God is communicating that he can work through these exiles. It's a little bit like us today. We are somewhat of exiles in a foreign culture. We, as the people of God, are living out, in the, living out the kingdom of God life. We follow Jesus in a land where not as many people continue to follow Jesus. We live now in a time where we are seeking to be the kingdom of God in our culture, and yet we feel sometimes like exiles in our culture. It doesn't mean that everybody around us is evil or something like that, but it means that we live out our life following Jesus while others live by other structures in the world. And so we are seeking to live out our life of faith as exiles in a culture that is different from us, just as the Israelite exiles were living. And... Ezekiel goes with God in this spiritual format and sees this dry valley filled with dead bones. And the scholars that I read tell me that the the original Hebrew here really emphasizes the fact that these bones are scattered, they are uh, dry. The, the bodies are disconnected from their own bones and that sort of thing. It is totally scattered and it is broken up, uh, much like the Israelite people were at this time. They were scattered and broken across the Babylonian empire. And so when God says to Ezekiel, can these dry bones live again, the human answer would have been, no, that's impossible, God. God. Ezekiel answers and says, sovereign Lord, only you know if they can rise up again and live again. And Ezekiel answers appropriately and God says, I want you to prophesy over these bones. I want you to speak my words over these bones. I want you to say what I'm going to say. I want you to tell these bones to get ready. I want you to tell these bones to get ready because they're going to come alive again. And they're going to have flesh and they're going to have muscles and they're going to eventually have breath in them and they're going to rise up. And so Ezekiel speaks those words of God. As a prophet, he is speaking God's words over these bones and he begins to hear a noise. The bones start to clatter and start to gather together and they start to form skeletons. And then they start to form muscle and sinew and, and skin over top of them. And they begin to come together as bodies. But he looks out over the valley and they're still just laying there as bodies. As dead bodies laying in this valley. And so God says to him, now I want you to speak another word over these bodies. I want you to speak to the four winds of the earth. And I want you to call them to blow my breath into these bodies. And so God's breath, it's clear that it is God's breath that is blown into these bodies. And they stand up and are alive and are a vast army. And Ezekiel sees this vast army that is alive in the valley. It's quite the story, it's quite the vision, it's quite the amazing example of God working through a prophet and God speaking his words to the people of Israel. For it is a word to the Israelite people. The Israelite people were scattered, they were like bones, And God is saying to them that they will rise up again and be alive again. And he'll gather them back to their homeland. And so he's saying that to them. But he's also, of course, speaking to us today. As the people of Israel were uh, God's people at that time, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the church is also the people of God today. And God is saying to us today that when, even when we feel we are exiles and all seems hopeless, God is there and will breathe into our dead bones once again. And he's telling us that we are his people in exile. There's a number of things we can learn from this passage and... Um, I want us to focus on the major elements and the major uh, breath of God coming into the body. But what I also think, there's some other things we learn along the way here. It also reminds us of the creative power of God. When God's breath goes into those lifeless bodies, Ezekiel would have had a clear image of Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, where... God forms Adam and he breathes his breath into Adam's lifeless body and it becomes a live human being. Ezekiel would have known that that's what God was speaking of here. Every young Israelite would have learned that in their lives. And so it's speaking to the creative power of God that God can raise up life from nothing. It also kind of tells us that We don't need to worry what happens to our bodies when we die. It doesn't matter if we're buried in a coffin in the ground. It doesn't matter if we are burned up in fire and scattered to the winds. God knows where every molecule of our body is. And he can pull those molecules together at the resurrection and renew our bodies once again in the heavenly kingdom. We don't need to worry about all those sorts of things. But thirdly, and probably more importantly to the point here, is that if our bodies are all put together and yet we don't have God's life in us, we are just empty bodies. The same would have been true for Israel. The same is true for God's church today, that we must be enlivened by the Holy Spirit, enlivened by God's breath. We, uh, we think we know a lot of what life is. Uh, you know, in our, in our contemporary world, we, we know a lot about life. We know what life looks like and we know when something is dead. We know when, but we still have questions about life, don't we? We still have questions about what exactly is life. Um, We know what what a body looks like when it doesn't have life in it, but what is that element that is missing? We still are questioning that because God is the spark that puts that life in our bodies. And the same is true of his church, that his life and his breath must be in the church as well. It's a little so a couple of commentators on this remind us, too, that this is a message of hope for those who have lost all grounds for hope. Um, a commentator by the name of George Arthur Buttrick says, "You see, there is a message of hope for those who have lost all grounds for hope. It speaks to us as a, of a God who can achieve the impossible. The Spirit lies beyond all that can be seen and measured. Its most apt symbol is the wind, which is astir all about us, but which is all the while invisible. The Spirit is not ours to command, but is given when we are faithful. Like the wind, the Spirit blows where it will. There are no limits on what God may do. At any moment, He may break in and transform our present situation. Therefore, let us serve him according to our knowledge, leaving it to him whether he will continue the discipline of failure or transform our frustration into his marvelous success. Sometimes we, as the church, we look out upon the church culture of Canada and we lament. We think of the days when the church was more at the center of our culture We see the church buildings in our towns and cities that were once kind of the core of our cities. And we recognize that the church is not so much at the core of our culture anymore. And we lament that and we wish for those days again. And yet God is saying he will raise up these dead bones He will enliven his church again with his Holy Spirit. There is hope for the church. There is hope that he will empower his church again. Now, it may not look like it did in the past, but he will enliven his church and make it a healthy kingdom of God in this kingdom of Canada. The Holy Spirit wants to work in his church. The Holy Spirit wants to work here in Evergreen Church. And the Holy Spirit is at work here in Evergreen Church. We want him to enliven all of our structures, our programs, The things we do, we want his Holy Spirit involved in it. We don't want to just create structures and then double down on our structures. We want God to be involved in our structures as well. And so even as we have done good and diligent work, making sure that we were putting things in place, we must also remember to make sure that we are asking for the Holy Spirit to fill our structures and our practices Let me read those couple of scriptures again from Acts chapter 2, speaking of pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, verses 16 through 18, and verse 21 says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. In those days I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Verse 21 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God's spirit is poured out amongst his people. And then in Acts chapter 2 verses 32 and 33, we read these words. It says, God raised Jesus from the dead. And we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. Ezekiel reminds us that God's spirit must enliven our lives, must enliven our churches, our ministries. We must ensure that we leave room for the Holy Spirit to be at work in all of these things. When the Holy Spirit shows up, he may take us in directions we didn't expect, but we rely upon his Holy Spirit to enliven our church. We believe that there is a supernatural aspect to the church, and to this church at Evergreen. Brian McLaren has written a a book recently uh, entitled, Do I Stay a Christian? He calls it a guide for doubters. And in that uh, book, he says that one of the things we need to do is rediscover the wildness of our bodies. And he says, rediscovering the wildness of our bodies will help us become more wise in the ways we understand sexuality, eating, illness, and health, including mental illness and addiction, human development and aging, and beginning and end of life issues. Rediscovering the wildness of our bodies will also help us live more wisely with the earth, since every molecule and atom that constitutes our bodies is derived from food, drink, and breath supplied by the sun-warmed earth. So McLaren is speaking of the living processes of our bodies, and he's saying we need to recognize that we are wild beings, that we are very much physical and organic beings. But he's also, I think, alluding to the church as well. And we need to realize that the church is a an alive and wild being that God puts his spirit into and and rewilds it for us. To McLaren's words, I would want to add that we need to repressurize our bodies, not just rewild our bodies, but repressurize our bodies with the Holy Spirit. We need to re-inflate ourselves. We need to re-pressurize with the pneumatic pressure of the Holy Spirit. The very breath of God must inflate the lungs of our lives and inflate the lungs of our church. It can't just be structures and programs. It must be the Holy Spirit alive in us and in our church. We must not remain dry bones. We must have fresh lungs filled with God's Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me? I'm going to call the worship team up to get prepared to play us another song. We're going to pray. And then I'm going to just lead us through a couple of questions together. Father God, we are so thankful for this church and for the process it's been through. We're thankful for the transition through the ways that we have learned who we are as a body and who we were looking for as a lead pastor. And so God, we pray that you would continue to bless those processes. And God, we are asking that you fill us with your Holy Spirit. Pour out your Holy Spirit on this church pour out your Holy Spirit in our lives God we want to be filled with your your word and your Holy Spirit in our lives God may we hear from you today in this place and in this time we pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus who died for us on the cross Amen God is here with us in this place, and I said I, it's a privilege and a responsibility to speak up here, but God is at work. He wants to speak to each of us, and he is here to, for us to listen to him. So when we pray, we also want to spend some time listening to God. So I encourage us to take a deep breath in of the Holy Spirit, take in a breath of God's presence and listen and wait upon God. What is it that he wants to say to each of us today? I'm going to ask us two little questions that might guide our process together here today, but I encourage you to listen. What is it that God has and wants to speak into your life today? Maybe it's It's something quite different from what you've heard in this message. Maybe it was one of the songs that you heard today stirred you. What is it that God wants to say to you today? The first question I want to ask us all, I'm asking myself and you, what will it take to fill our lives with the Spirit of God? what will it take to fill our lives with the Spirit of God? And then the second question that is... Very much like it. What will it take to fill our church with the Spirit of God? God, your word is living and active in us. God, your Holy Spirit is living and active in us. God, you said you will pour out your Spirit on all of us, on all people. We want to catch that wind of your Holy Spirit. We want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. We want your church to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son,